1: Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris.
2: Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is Wednesday, November 10th. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And of course, Winning Cures Everything. We like to talk football on this show there's a lot to discuss, Chris. Uh, good gracious. We got a new hire at Texas Tech. We'll hit on that for a second. Nebraska, Washington, uh, the mess going on at Florida. At hey, and I'm even going to bring up a little bit about Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky here in just a minute. Before we get started, I have been forgetting to go through the rundown early in the show, so let me go ahead and start off with that. Go to winningcureseverything.com. You can find everything that you need to know about us over there, including where to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel, etc. Make sure you are subscribed everywhere that you can. But also, if you subscribe to the podcast, leave a nice five-star review over on Apple Podcast. That certainly helps us out. We've been getting a, a few more of those lately, and we certainly appreciate that. The show is brought to you each and every time out by BetUS, America's top sports book. Uh, their top online sports book anyway. Uh, but you can go to BetUS.com, use the promo code NCAAF2021, you get a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it's Sportsbook exclusive. It's fantastic. So go ahead and check that out over at BetUS.com. You can also click the link that's in the description. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you. Uh, Chris hosts the SBR Picks College Football Show. You can find him over on Twitter right now. Don't know about the YouTube as of yet. Uh, Eventually, the YouTube will be back, but right now it's only on Twitter. You can follow him at SBR Sports Picks, and I host the BetUS College Football Show on Wednesdays and Thursdays, there is a link to both of those in the description below. Go ahead and click that. Uh, the description on YouTube and on the podcast. Chris, first off, how's your day, brother?
1: That's hey, fine.
2: <laughs> Everything's feeling good.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, this is a work day, man. That's I
2: feel you. We're we're all the way into November. The uh, the weeks of college football and the NFL are slowly dwindling away. Uh, but we still got a few of them to get through. So uh, this week, of course, we're going to be talking NFL big games for Week 10, our Super Contest picks, which, by the way, went 5-0 and on my Super Contest picks last week. Not too shabby. Um, we are going to do the recap, and we're going to start off with this. Topic number one on the board, Texas Tech hired a new football coach. And it wasn't Sonny Dykes, and it wasn't Jeff Trailer, and it wasn't any of those names. They hired Joey McGuire who is Baylor's associate head coach, has been for the last five years. And look, Joey uh, was a longtime successful high school coach at Cedar Hill High School, won, a, won several state championships, et cetera. And Chris, what I have taken away from this, first off, grading coaching hires is ridiculous. Like, it's, it doesn't work anymore. Anybody that is still doing it is just doing it for clicks. The bottom line is this. We don't know if this is going to work or not, but what we do know is... They liked Jeff Trailer, and they liked what he brought to the table, a relationship with high school coaches across the state, uh, and in, in recruiting. And no, this isn't going to switch a- any four or five stars that were planning on going to Texas or Oklahoma or Alabama or Ohio State. They're not going to all of a sudden switch and head over to Texas Tech uh, because it, Lubbock just ain't the place to go if you're a four- or five-star kid. But the truth is those tweeners, the guys that are coming up, the rising kids that are two-stars and three-stars that can be developed into big-time prospects, those start looking at Texas Tech because they've got a good relationship, or at least the high school coaches do, with this guy, with Joey McGuire, and you can start getting more talent that way, much the same way that UTSA is doing right now under Jeff Trailer, I think it's a fantastic hire. It's absolutely worth a shot. If you did something before, you've always gone offense, offense, offense. Why not try something a little bit different? See what happens. What, uh, what are your thoughts on it, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate this idea either. I also think having a good relationship with the coaches like that around the state doesn't just help you with recruiting initially. I think it's going to have an unbelievable effect on transfer portal recruiting because very few of these kids have a bad relationship with their high school coach. And I promise you, if you're disgruntled at your school that you're at currently and you're thinking about transferring, one of the people that you're probably going to reach out to is your high school football coach for advice. And having a relationship with those people could, I think, have a big, big play in the transfer portal, which is where Texas Tech is going to get their four-star athletes.
2: I tend to agree. That's a that's a fantastic viewpoint on it. Uh, this thing helps. You know, it, he has not had experience at the high major level. He has had experience uh, as an assistant at Baylor. He was the associate head coach uh, under Matt Rule. He, has, he was kept on staff with Dave Aranda. There's a reason for that, and they have had success at Baylor building that program so, up. They expect the same thing at Texas Tech, I think.
1: The one thing that's going to be a big deal is at some point in time he's going to have to coach. Yes. At Some point in time, he's going to have to draw some faces and nose, or he's going to have to hire some people to do those things, and that's going to have a big effect on this as well. We need to know the coordinators because we don't know is this an offensive guy, is this a defensive guy, and, and and yes, he's probably coached one side of the ball or the other quite a bit, but he's not—he's never been the play caller for that thing.
2: Very interesting uh, a viewpoint on this, by the way. He left Baylor staff in the middle of the season. And went ahead and took the job with Texas Tech. Baylor still has to play Texas Tech, so a little, little bit of a, an interesting thing. Now, obviously, he is not, um, you know, he, he's not going to be the head coach right now. Obviously, that coaching staff is intact except for Matt Wells. I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what is, uh, what is going on. So I, I, I love this. I like the hire. Um, we'll see. We'll see what Texas Tech ends up being with Joey McGuire. Next topic on the board. Nebraska announced that they are going to keep Scott Frost. He is 3-7 and seven this year. There will be no bowl. Uh, they've only got two games left in the season. But his salary is being cut from $5 million down to $4 million per year. And his buyout is being cut from $15 million down to $7.5 million. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of extra money for new coordinators or new whatever that needs to be brought in if that is the way that they go. Trev Alberts, the AD at Nebraska, said that basically this is Scott betting on himself. And I think what he meant by that is we had a conversation and it's not working right now. And if you want to stay on for less risk for us, then we might could go ahead with that. But if you are not willing to make any changes, if you are not willing to uh, do something differently, then we cannot continue this relationship. And Scott said, yes, I will take less money. I will, you know, da 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 I don't know what to make of this. It doesn't seem like a smart idea for Scott Frost. However, if he really believes that he can turn this thing around and he wants to be at Nebraska, then by all means. Uh, but if I'm looking at this, and and I see $15 million as opposed to $7.5 million, uh, and I'm only making $4 million next season, it, it it does look, basically what it looks like is $5 million uh, per year, down to four million. So add four million plus seven and a half million. If he gets fired after next season, he's going to make eleven and a half million as opposed to fifteen million. Okay, like three and a half million dollars is the difference we're looking at, right? I I don't know what to make of this. I don't know that this is going to work. However, in the past, we have seen, and this is the only example that I can think of, Greg Schiano started out with four losing seasons. Or at least four non-winning seasons uh, at Rutgers, and then was able to turn Rutgers into a, a juggernaut in the Big East. I don't know that the Big Twelve is cap- or the uh, Big Ten allows you to be capable of the same thing. I, I don't know where you go with this. If he hasn't been able to do it already, what makes you think a fifth year will be a, a chance? Will be anything different? What are What are your thoughts on this?
1: So this looks exactly like the uh, the Jim Harbaugh deal. Yeah, 100%. We're we're not happy. Jim Harbaugh totally turned his staff over. And uh, Jim Harbaugh's staff went from being the oldest coaching staff in college football to being one of the youngest. And uh, they got excited. They recruited a lot better. And all of a sudden, uh, players started performing. uh, I I guess the performance on the field is about the same uh, as it has been, you know, last year. definitely better than it was last season at at Michigan anyway. But that's just last year. You can't look at that as the – Conundrum of what they were. Right, they right. won eight or nine games every year under Harbaugh until last year. That staff that he had last year wasn't that wasn't the only year they were together. So, um, you know, I I think um, it can work, but it all depends on the hires that he makes. And then the question is: Is you made him reduce his salary? You're basically saving the school three and a half million dollars if you fire him next year. That's fine. The problem is is if you hire a whole new staff, you're going to pay substantially more than $3.5 million to fire all of those people.
2: True, true. So at the end of the day, it might it might just end up being a wash, depending upon who they end up bringing in. Um, because I, I wonder if imagine,
1: that $3.5 million is his budget for his staff. That's, so that's what I was thinking. He, you know, you're, you, we're not going to allow you to go out and get more than this.
2: Yeah, yeah, I could, I could totally see that. I'm... I just don't know that this is going to work. I mean, who am I to to judge whether or not a, a guy should be able to keep his job? I mean, they have played—all of their losses have been uh, single-digit losses, and all except for Ohio State were one-possession games. So you change one thing here and there, that's one thing. The issue is, as close as you can get to Ohio State and Michigan, et cetera, you are also losing to Illinois and Minnesota and Purdue. Like, you should be winning these ball games. I wonder if it's going to look any different with somebody other than Adrian Martinez under center. But who knows? Well, it's definitely
1: going to look different. We just don't know how different.
2: Yeah, I don't know if Adrian Martinez is like the guy that is actually keeping them in the games or if he is the guy that is losing the games for them. You can't blame it just on one player. But, you know, there's just mistakes that have been made across the board there that lead you to question the
1: decision-making of the coaching staff. So, well, look, now hang on. Now. We, know, we know the quarterback position is that important it is. in college football. And we understand that Adrian, we have enough tape to know that Adrian Martinez is not the guy that's going to lead you to the promised land. Part of your job as a coach over the last three years is to, A, evaluate him early, develop him. The development hasn't happened. And if you can't develop him, you've got to replace him. That hasn't happened. Agreed. Agreed.
2: And, and who knows what you're going to do next year because the guys that you recruited uh, all have transferred out. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, if you bring in some some flashy, you know, four- or five-star kid that, that's going to take the job by the reins in the offseason, then okay. Uh, but that's asking a lot, I think. I mean, it's it's a huge gamble. But we shall see. Speaking of gambles, let's move on down to Gainesville, Florida. And, who Dan Mullen. Uh, fired defensive coordinator Todd Grantham. Fired offensive line coach John Hevesy. Uh, Hevesy coached with Mullen since 2001. He's been with him basically everywhere. Like he's he has always been with Mullen. Um, and then of course there was the news of Anthony Richardson uh, injuring himself dancing at the team hotel the Friday night before the game. He was cleared on Thursday to play in the game and then hurt himself on Friday night. Uh, I, I thought he was still injured as far as the concussion protocol from the Georgia game. But instead, it was actually he hurt his knee while he was dancing uh, the night before. And I I don't think that they are going to fire. We talked about this a little bit on the reaction show on Sunday. I don't think they're going to fire Mullen at the end of this season. I think he, he sacrificed his longtime assistant, uh, the offensive line coach, and he sacrificed Grantham. But... If this team does not play well the last three games of the season, they've got Sanford, they've got Missouri, and they've got Florida State. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that they end up firing Mullen as well at the end of this season to go ahead and get a head start. His buyout doesn't change from one year to the next. It is 12 million regardless of when you fire him. They are not going to wait until next year or whenever um, to get this done. So I, I do wonder if the next three games basically Mullen is coaching for his job, and maybe firing some staff members wakes up the football team. But I don't know
1: that. You uh, you got a thought on this one? No, I, I, I mean they asked him to do something really hard. There's no way you can ask him to fire these people and then fire him later. I think that was agreed upon before doing this.
2: And that's uh, that's entirely possible. I. I just don't know if you can allow the program. Um, well, it's a, see, this is a tough one. I, I'm glad that I'm not making the uh, the decisions that Scott Strickland is having to make because you know that Dan Mullen can coach, but you also know that the recruiting is not being done there, that, that the way that it should be anyway. And what exactly should the expectation level be at Florida? At I I think it should be significantly more than what it has been, but I don't know. I think this is maybe, maybe you're right about this. Like maybe that was the agreed upon deal. We're going to give you one more year if you get rid of, you know, certain guys. And I just find it hard to believe that the AD would be the one to tell him, Hey, you got to fire your offensive line coach, right? Like, did he just tell him, Hey, you got to make some changes? If you make changes, we'll keep you around, do you think?
1: I think you got to make real changes, and I think the conversation was: "Is if I let this guy go and this guy go, is that enough?" And I think the AD probably said, "Yes." That's how I think. I don't think the AD said this guy goes and that guy goes. I think Dan offered up his solution, and they either say this works or this doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I could. uh, I do not think. I do not think you allow him to do those things in the middle of the season if you're going to fire him anyway. Absolutely. Because it cost you at school the exact same amount of money. And now I will tell you this. We talk about things these schools do that turn other coaches off in the future. This would be something that would be a huge turnoff. If you made me fire my offensive line coach in the middle of the season that I was close personal friends with, and forget that because it's business and you can't take the friendship into it, but you've worked together for so long. If you asked me to do that, and I did it, and you still fired me at the end of the year, then I think that's something that would be a real hard pill for the next coach to swallow.
2: Yeah, that is a that is a valid point. There's still been a ton of talk about him possibly going to the NFL uh, and how there are some owners that, that view him more as an NFL but coach. But that would be
1: his choice. Yeah, that no, would that, be absolutely his be his choice. That, that's, yeah. not a, that's not the situation we're talking about. No, no,
2: no, no. no. I'm, I'm just bringing up a completely different situation here. Um, if he were to leave and go to the NFL, uh, then Florida doesn't have to worry about any of this. And maybe it makes everything easier on everybody, including himself, but this is going to be a strange thing to follow for the next you know, however many weeks because it does kind of feel like Scott Strickland's job is tied to Mullen. Like if, if the AD, uh, if he doesn't figure out a way to get this fixed, uh, he could be out with Mullen after next season. So we'll,
1: we'll see what but happens. isn't that there. every athletic director in the country, though,
2: not everyone. I mean, obviously at Texas Tech, like Kirby Hocutt has gotten to – my God, what is it? He has hired 10 football and basketball yeah, coaches. Hang on
1: now. Oh, whoa, 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 That's rare. That is a small school in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Right, like, right, right. they don't care about football. But that is not Florida SEC, Gary. That's not a team that has won national championships, okay? Like every major school that puts massive amounts of resources into football, those athletic directors – Get too high. Like somebody wants, I, I know this because I hear LSU guys talk. Woodward was hired to make this hire. He took this job to make this hire. Okay? Yes, every athletic director takes a job to bring their own guy in. They rarely get to bring two in. True. True. There are certain cases where, yes. So I don't think that but, Strickland, like, that's unique to Florida. This is not a unique thing to Strickland. Every athletic director is usually tied to their head coaching job for football.
2: True, true. And, and, and if it is, your
1: hire doesn't work, we hire somebody else to do your job, that guy fires the head coach, and then he brings his own guy in. This is how every athletic program, for the most part, works.
2: Especially nowadays. It, it didn't used to be in like the early 2000s and whatnot, uh, but nowadays, because of the amount of money, it is it is definitely that. Uh, Speaking of coaches that might be on their way out, let's talk about Washington. Washington has suspended Jimmy Lake for the Arizona State game. He came out and issued an apology for quote-unquote striking a player. Uh, We talked about the absurdity of this on the show on Sunday, on the reaction show. Um, But this is comical. Comical. Uh, to say the least, they did go ahead and fire the offensive coordinator, John Donovan, which I've been talking about since uh, early, early in the season uh, because of just how predictable this offense was, not only during the COVID-shortened season, but early in this season. Uh, the offense could do nothing. I mean, they, they were just terrible. Uh, but we already knew what John Donovan was. It was a terrible, terrible hire because he was not good at Penn State. Uh, as soon as they fired John Donovan at Penn State, that's when James Franklin won his Big Ten title. Like, he had John Donovan before, and then he brought in Joe Moorhead and changed the whole trajectory of the program. I'm I'm curious your thoughts here, uh, because the statement that came out from Washington about the suspension really read like it was written by lawyers, is what it looked like. And it looked like it was, hey, we are trying our hardest to figure out a way to get this guy out of here because the job may be too big for him. He may may be great, and he he was great as a defensive coordinator and really as a recruiter. But as you have said on this show many, many times, it's uh, the Peter principle, right? You can be elevated and promoted to a level of failure. And that may be what's going on with Jimmy Lake. He just may not be able to handle how big the job is. I want to know what you think about the suspension and and really about his job status overall. So I think the suspension is bullshit. You know that.
1: Yes. Strike, quote-unquote, using the word striking a kid infuriates me. He popped the kid on the are we going to, are we going to fire or suspend every coach that does that to a child when they celebrate a touchdown? How many people <laughs> strike kids on the head while they're wearing their helmet during a game? How many times has that happened? Oh because he was getting yelled at when he did it. Oh, that's now it's a suspendable offense? It's an offense that we suspend the guy? Are you kidding me? What world are we living in, Gary? Uh,
2: we are living in a world where this uh, this coach is losing football games and Washington has no idea what to do with it.
1: If you want to fire him because he's bad at his job, which he is bad at his job, and I think he has earned the right to be fired, it has nothing to do with him, quote, unquote, striking a child. A, that child he struck was like six, eight, three, 380, all right? It could beat the hell out of Jimmy Lake if at any point in time he felt his life was in danger. Yes. Yes. I, I
2: think everybody that pays attention to football that ever played football uh, would understand that this was a coaching method. And
1: We've collectively lost our minds. Yes. But. I think his job is in jeopardy because I think he's really bad at coaching. I yes. think he's really, really bad at leading an organization. I don't know how good he is at the X's and O's on the defensive side of the ball, but I know one thing's for damn sure. This guy is not a leader of men.
2: No. No, he is not. Uh, it's, it's insane to think about because he was basically hand-chosen. He was the next guy behind Chris Peterson. He was handed the job much the same way that Lincoln Riley was handed the job much the same way that Ryan Day was handed the job at Ohio State. Um, but this one did not turn out. Uh it did not turn out at all. You remember in the off season, he would wear hats that said run the damn ball. Like he just does not understand modern football. And and it was very
1: prevalent. Very you could tell it. You could absolutely tell damn. it. There's 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 no there's no X's and O's or scheming involved that causes you to get kind of your ass beat by Montana. All right? That is – that is he, he did not know how to prepare a football team. He did not know how to run practices in two days. That is the first game of the season where you've got a month to prepare for your opponent. All right?
2: And it's not that Montana's bad. They've actually been very good this year. However, that is an FCS They're school. They're close
1: to being able to hang with that team.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Like, if you were Washington – you should have beaten that team by three touchdowns. It should never have been in doubt. And instead, uh, of course, they take an L, and they are on the losing side much more than they are the winning side this season. And it just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. So with that said, you know... But, we'll
1: but, I, but I think the suspension's bullshit. I'd like to be yes. on record with that. I'll defend the guy for that. And and I, A, I, I will tell you, I don't know that there's anything you could have done to get me to apologize for that. That's I a, think he's a better man than me for that. Exactly.
2: I don't know that if I was if I was Jimmy Lake, I don't know that I would have apologized.
1: I I might have had a conversation with the kid. I not not might have. I would have. I would have let him know, hey man. But I would do the same thing if I didn't put my hands on him. But if somebody made a mistake on the field and I publicly on the sidelines jump their ass, chew their butt out. At some point in time when that game is over with, I'm going to approach that kid, I'm going to approach that person and say, hey man, things got heated, you screwed up, I lost my cool a little bit, I'm just trying to make you better. I love you, I want us to be better, and I need to know that we're good. Because that's how you have a relationship. I do the same thing with my children. I get in that butt when they screw up. And then, I go to them and I let them know, you know I love you, right? And, and, and I need you to make sure that we don't make these mistakes. And that's when, I, that's when the teaching happens, all right? It's after the yelling and the taking of the iPad and the whatever you do to discipline, however you discipline, right? Well, like, yeah. there's a follow up behind the discipline. That's the only person that needed a conversation. That's it. That's the list. Nobody else, if the athletic director walked in, I would bring that kid in and I would say, hey, we good? Yeah. Hey, uh, Frank? Get the hell out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I
2: think that's, I think that's yeah, the easy I way to go about I'm driving down it.
1: the road right now. I have just watched the people in front of me throw seven different pieces of paper out the window as we're driving. What? Who in the hell litters still today? <laughs> who, who is littering right now?
2: Uh, the and only. It's not,
1: it's not seven at once. It's not like a handful of stuff. It is driving, 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 throw something out. Driving, driving, throw something out. Driving, driving, throw something. What is wrong with these people? They just turned around. So I was about to take my phone, take a picture of that uh, license plate, <laughs> and then uh, figure out how I was going to absolve this situation.
2: Um, I'm I'm curious. It was it coming out of the driver's side, like out of the driver's window? Yeah. No. No. The, the, the driver
1: looks to be the only person in the car.
2: How interesting. I, I would have said, you know, maybe children, but no,
1: no. This is a grown ass woman. Oh, my God. This is a lady, I'm, 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 I'm sure, I'm assuming her gender. She looked in the female perspective, okay? <laughs> I, I Listen, if this was back in the day where I had the old piece of shit pickup truck, I might have gotten loose, got up under her, and got her into a wall. here. <laughs> not enough, to, do, not enough like to hurt anybody, but, like, hey, we're both calling our insurance companies, and when the police show up, I'm going to show them why I did it, and then I'll just take my ticket and let my insurance company take care of it.
2: There you go, there you go. I haven't seen that in uh, in quite some time.
1: I haven't seen anybody do that. This blatant, too. Just brazen <laughs> Just throwing shit out the window.
2: Oh my God! Uh, what was wrong with
1: people?
2: Sorry, I have no idea. I'm so glad that you were driving uh, to, to give us that update, though. Um, oh my God! Who's wrong uh, with folks? I do. I want to. I want to swap topics for us, right quick. Um, go ahead. Fire away. So, we've talked a little bit about the Sunbelt expansion and the AAC expansion, and we hit on MAC expansion, etc. And we talked about the... It seemed like it uh, it was inevitable that the MAC was going to bring in Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State. And now, it appears that Middle Tennessee State may actually hold off on joining the MAC. And the reason for this is they are looking at a, a pretty decent-sized payday from the buyouts from all of the teams that are leaving Conference USA to join these other conferences, there is no stability anymore with Conference USA at this point. And, and the Conference USA TV deal is pretty terrible, but the buyout money could be uh, relatively sizable for a school of that size, right? Yeah, Western Kentucky Uh, it has been reported that the MAC is not going to take Western Kentucky by themselves. Western Kentucky, uh, Kentucky is part of a package deal. They will bring in both of them, but they won't bring in just one. So MTSU is holding up Western Kentucky from being able to join the MAC because they might be able to get a pretty sizable buyout, and then maybe they will go to the MAC later on. If you're the MAC, what do you think about this? And then if you are middle Tennessee where like what are your thoughts on this Like, because there are uh, people in leadership positions that think that they should grab the buyout and then try and go to the MAC afterwards I'm I'm not so certain that I wouldn't jump at the the steady conference immediately because I know that uh, like I know it's a possibility right now I don't know that this doesn't piss off the MAC so I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on, on both sides of it
1: this <laughs> is this is where people are really bad at business relationships, Gary. Is me just be honest. You pick up the phone, you call Western Kentucky, you call the conference commissioner of the MAC, and you say, guys, Western Kentucky and I are about to be the last people standing, and all these blokes have to pay like $3 million to leave here, okay? So we're going to split 1.5 times all of these teams leaving. We haven't made that much money in 20 years combined, okay? So we're going to take this check, we're going to split it up between us two and two or three other, you know, also Rams that are getting left hanging, and then we'll come see you if you want to do that deal then. But why would I do it now and piss away all this money? For stability? Gary, yeah, there is no stability. That, that, I, I would tell you this. If you think the MAC is stable today, you you have not paid attention to college football in the last five years. Okay? I mean, Nothing you, you're, stable. you're not nothing's, wrong. Nothing's guaranteed. Stay around get that this is just smart business but it you don't, you don't you don't piss people off that are about to be your business partners you just tell them hey i'm at, you know i want to I want to do this deal you know yeah like, but, uh, but i need say to do it piss, later okay let's let's say let's say for instance you get a pretty sizable tax advantage once you get married right right if you got a wife that says i am married to getting married the first weekend in january You'd be like, baby, I really think December 28th is a better time to do this. <laughs> because we get the tax write-off for the whole year, even though we only been married for two days. Okay? Like, like this is just – but you just have a conversation. This is just smart business then. You don't, you don't have to piss somebody off or rub a relationship the wrong way. And if you're the commissioner of the MAC and you don't understand what they're trying to do, and why they're trying to do it, then you're not a good partner that I want to partner with anyway. If 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 you can't allow me to make an extra five million dollars at a program where five million dollars will carry us for two decades of our of our cost, then then you're not a business partner that I want to begin with because you don't understand what what we are, what kind of tax bracket we are in MTSU. You're not the partnership we need.
2: Yeah, it does make absolutely perfect financial sense when you think about it, right? Because all well, that- I
1: can fix I, I swear to God, this is why I wish I could be an athletic director. So many of these things, I can fix all these problems you can solve. And I'm not magic, by the way. Someone just has to have a ball to pick up the phone. Let's have a Zoom call between the athletic director and the president of, of Western Kentucky and the conference commissioner of the MAC, And, and in 10 minutes, I'm going to lay out all the financials all of why this is a good deal. In Western Kentucky, why are you getting pissed off? You're getting the same check I'm about to get. Okay? <laughs> and if the MAC don't want us because we made them wait an extra six months, then that ain't the partnership we want. All right? If if we're thinking this is gonna be a lifetime partnership here, okay, then then why are you upset about six months?
2: Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong because the, the payout from those other teams is going to pay for the buyout for Middle Tennessee State and uh and Western
1: Kentucky. the Western Kentucky and Memphis City State might not even have to pay a buyout by then because the damn conference can dissolve because there ain't enough members.
2: Well, remember, they are calling, like, Conference USA is still going to be around, but the contract might change because, remember, they're bringing That's in right. Liberty.
1: We, we have to have a new contract.
2: Yeah, I mean, it'll have to be a new contract because they, they are bringing in Liberty, Sam Houston, uh, Jacksonville State, and I'm, I'm forgetting somebody, but... Uh, I'm,
1: cer- I'm certain there are clauses in the, in the thing that basically say if so much Transition takes place, then you can't like. Then it's not just uh, an addendum to a contract or something of that nature. Like we basically are starting a new company. Okay, if 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 more than thirty percent changes, then you know either bringing in or are leaving or whatever. Then then at some point in time, the old contract is basically worthless. It becomes null and void. And, and we have to draw up new bylaws completely. And you get a say in those new bylaws. Even though you know you're leaving, you can kind of make that next buyout not so bad on you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So I do think uh, it does make financial sense. Um, and it's, that, it's the constant argument, right? Security, or what you think is security, or a quick financial gain. Right. Which Anybody do you doing
1: anything for security right now is a fool because security is a phantom gift. It is, it is a farce. It is a mirage. You don't have security in anything in life right now at all. You might have the most stable job in the world. Tomorrow with a phone call, it could be gone.
2: You got that right. You have got that right.
3: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: All right, that is going to move us into our NFL Week 9 recap. And let's uh, let's go ahead and discuss, you know, the four questions that I ask Chris every week about the NFL week gone by. Best games of the weekend. Now, obviously, Monday Night Football, we had the Steelers and the Bears, and it came down to a, a last-second kick um, that ended up not even getting to the goalpost, which... At, Pittsburgh Stadium is known that was for that. A, that was
1: an awful game to begin with. It, that's what I was, was going to say. A,
2: it's it, it was not a good game, so I don't know that that would be one of a our Pittsburgh best games.
1: football game. Um, this whole weekend we had a lot of Pittsburgh football games. Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't know what the
2: best game of the weekend would be. Uh, I wrote down Falcons 27, Saints 25, and I wrote down Chargers 27, Eagles 24, but I don't know that those were good football games.
1: I, I enjoyed watching one game, and I thought the outcome made it okay and, and the way that. I think the Vikings-Ravens game was the best game of the weekend. Those other games were close. I don't think they were enjoyable to watch. I think they were pretty awful. Um, they, they just drugged on. Um, I, I, I just didn't find there's a lot of bad football in the NFL.
2: Now, you are not wrong about that. Uh, most I, hey, I,
1: did, You know, the Giants-Raiders game wasn't bad. I know probably very few people outside of Giants fans and Raiders fans watched any of that. I did because everything else is a snooze fest and it was <laughs> yes. it was pretty exciting yeah i could uh, i could well, see it that was close, but it was exciting i mean it was I guess it it's was, exciting sometimes to watch a team that's not good finally look competent and be good
2: yes uh, the i mean it was it was a close game it was 23 to 16 and uh, the final score was not you know it was not, it, the game was in doubt until the end we'll say that so it was it was a close game um, but that is, you know, an option for this next question, which is the what is the most surprising result? And I, I think across the board, you had surprises. Like, I, the Titans-Rams was super surprising. Uh, the, let's see, the Cardinals whipping the 49ers without Kyler Murray, without Deshaun Hopkins, et cetera, at, that was big. The Bills only scoring six points on the road at Jacksonville. That was ridiculous. Um you know, the Broncos absolutely whipping the Cowboys, the Browns over the Bengals, like it, at least the way that it happened. Uh, there were a lot of surprises this week. Did any of them stand out to you?
1: Well, I mean, there's only two that are in this conversation as real surprises. The rest of that stuff is just the NFL, okay? The Broncos beating the hell out of the Cowboys, the best offense in football against a team that just lost with its best defensive players, and and... That defense shuts that offense down completely, and then the Bills, who have been on this steamboat where their offense is cooking, and they're playing a completely inept Jags team, and and to, to lose that game outright, and the, and like you said, to only score six points, pretty pathetic. Um, I, I, those are the only two that I would mark as surprising. The rest of it's the NFL, man.
2: Who uh, who lost the weekend? God.
1: Oh, uh, I'm not to gonna say it's
2: either of the, sir. I, no, I said you want me to tell you mine first. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, so, so I wrote down the Bills because they were five and two, and of course the offense had had been looking really good. They had a couple of losses that are not super explainable, but uh, but are at the same time, you know, I this is a team that is vying for that number one seed in the AFC. You cannot go. To Jacksonville and lose, and and that because that's going to cost them the rest of the season. They're now five and three. Uh, I don't know what
1: to make of them. So I, I think to me it was the Bills. And I was just going to say it, it's definitely not the Bills and the Cowboys because those teams are still in first place in their division. They still control their own destiny. Neither one of them, uh, you know, I, that, that's fine. Like they had a terrible game and it's awful. Um, I, I think honestly. But, but so much is still in front of them that they control. The only team close to the Bills is the Patriots. And while everyone thinks, oh, the Patriots are turning a corner, but at the same time, like, mm, are they really and are they going to outrun the Bills the rest of the way? Like, that, that's a hard pill to swallow. I don't think what we saw this week with the Bills is what the Bills are. That's just whatever it is. I, I think that I, I'm pretty set on this. The team that lost the weekend is the Packers. And the reason is, is because you lost your quarterback. Your backup, who you drafted with the first pick over, with your with your number one pick just two years ago, um, has an entire week of practice with the one. He knows he's getting the start. He gets to go up against the worst defense in the NFL, and he cannot move the ball at all. He can't get anything—not yards, not. And you know what's sad? i watched a lot of this game, and um, I saw throws that weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but but they were catchable. Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the league, or one of the best receivers in the league, who makes unbelievable catches week in and week out for Aaron Rodgers, was dropping footballs that were hitting them in the hands. Now, he had to make a move on the ball. But they were easily catchable, and I've seen him make those catches ten times a game. Okay, for Aaron Rodgers, but for but for glove, he dropped every one of them. He didn't pull in a single ball that that was catchable, but but wasn't perfect. Not one. And I thought this is shitty. Now I'm Do not you, saying he did it on purpose, but I think that's
2: shit. So so I was going to ask about that. Do you think? Do you think that there is a difference between the way that certain quarterbacks throw the football? Like, do you think Devonte Adams was just so used to the way Aaron Rodgers puts it in there, as opposed to the way that Jordan Love does it? Like, obviously, right. we talk a lot about chemistry, so, so, but
1: so the ahead. answer to that is this: All right, I'm going to answer that with this. If if you have to have a perfect ball from a guy like Rodgers, then we need to deeply, deeply discount you has one of the best receivers in the league all right all of your all of your yard and every hang on every other uh gm in the country needs to see this because this guy's a free agent after next year okay and and they need to see that and they need to know if you don't have an aaron Rodgers throwing in the football is your guy gonna throw it just right for him or is he gonna be a dud Are you gonna pay him a ton of money and he's gonna be garbage and don't we see this with uh, with Patriots players all the time?
2: Like when they leave, they're not nearly as good in in different systems. Well, and
1: well, rarely, well, but hang on now. But rarely are any of those receivers um like good before they get there. Yeah, okay. no, 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 I'm not talking so, about. Uh, I'm not talking about receivers. Before,
2: like just overall player. Like it, it it's. I'm not talking about most
1: of those But hang on, most of those receivers were nobodies when they got there, and Tom made them into something. And yeah, they leave, and they're not as good. Right, right. But, but it's it's but played across
2: the across the board for uh, for the Patriots.
1: But all of but hang on, all of those are B list guys and C List guys. True. These are not tier one guys. These are not guys that are in the conversation with with Hopkins and, and DK and, and the best receivers in the league. No, 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 no. So we we need to either grossly reevaluate Devontae Adams' ability to catch the football. And 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 then we also need to kind of see what is their future without Jordan Love.
2: Yeah, or, or well, the oh, future yeah, without Rogers, uh, without Aaron with, Rodgers. With, yeah. with
1: with with Rodgers with Jordan Love because it 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 looked it looked bad. It uh, looked uh, real bad. LeFleur, and that's the worst defense you're going to play all year. You uh, don't yeah. get worse than that.
2: No, LaFleur came out and and apologized and said that it was his fault that he didn't have Jordan Love prepared. But if you're Jordan Love, how are you not prepared? Like you, you have to be ready for this time whenever it pops up. Like it, at any point, Aaron Rodgers could get hit in a ball game and break his collarbone or, or whatever, and you are the guy, and you have to be ready at a moment's notice. Why is it that we see other backups able to come in and and be at least? So, I mean, Mike White came in for the Jets and threw for four hundred yards. Like, what are we talking yeah, about? No, I, look, I, I'm telling
1: you, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just telling, that's why they're the biggest loser of the weekend. Is because as a team, Matt Lafleur not nearly as good as people think he is. Okay, Jordan Love obviously wasn't worth that first round pick overall. Devontae Adams, their star receiver. Listen, it, it, unless you're unless you've got Aaron Rodgers and you can sign make the trade for him or sign him next year, don't don't waste your time signing Roger uh, signing signing Adams too, because that's just pissing away money.
2: Well, it ought to let the uh, the Packers know, like, hey, if you had brought in. Uh, at least one or two big-time wide receiver free agents. At some point, uh, you really could have done some damage if you look at what Rodgers is capable of doing, as opposed to some of these other quarterbacks, because um, he just he has a certain way of throwing the football for for whatever reason. Uh, who won the weekend? Like I, I'm going to tell you, I've got the Cardinals down for this. Uh, you go out and you blow out the 49ers on the road with Colt McCoy as your quarterback, and and with no Deshaun Hopkins. Uh, yeah i'm i'm good with that like i love the cardinals here
1: uh, i think my browns won the weekend uh, yeah, yeah i, I think they took that was a big step in the division and uh and i think that was important to uh to not just win that game but to to play a divisional opponent that's been really good and go in and kick the crap out of them
2: did, you, did i see correctly when i was watching that game that uh that burrow uh leads the league in interceptions
1: uh, probably. I bet he also leads the league in
2: passes. Uh, probably so. Probably so. Uh, but yeah, the Browns definitely looked better. Uh, d- you know, we'll talk about their matchup against the Patriots this week. Nick Chubb tested positive for COVID, uh, but he is vaccinated, so he just has to have two negative tests between now and Sunday. So that's
1: let's... that's not as easy as it sounds to get, though. Agreed.
2: So, Agreed. I mean, so we'll
1: still in your system. You yep. know It's still it's still a thing.
2: But it is not a, uh, a an absolute required ten day quarantine the same way that it was with Aaron Rodgers so uh, yeah, so there right. is a possibility at least that he'll be on the field let's uh, let's move into the big game previews and we've only got eight of them for this week we've we've been having you know nine and ten uh, but not uh, not a ton of massive games this week so uh, NFL big game pick them preview whatever week ten last week I went six and three against the number Chris went three and six. I am 43-34 and 34 on the year. Chris, you are 35-42. and 42, And we will start off with Thursday Night Football. And that would be the Ravens heading to the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a 7.5-point underdog at home. Total of 46.5. Uh, the odds, of course, brought to you by BetUS, where the game begins. You can click the link in the uh, description to get the promo code and all that. It's a 125% deposit bonus. Uh... Chris, the Ravens are 5-0 and against the spread, their last five at Miami. Um, Miami has given up more quarterback pressures than any other NFL team by a long shot. I'm talking it is ridiculous when you look at how bad that offensive line has been for Miami. Now, you go and look at what the Ravens have been able to do on the defensive line. They're great against the run, but they had not been able to get quarterback hurries. I, I don't know that it matters here because I think they're still going to be able to get some hurries. Um, I... I trust the Ravens. I think they are going to smoke the Dolphins on Thursday night. I, I love the Ravens plus uh, minus uh, seven and a half.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like the hook, but I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make you take the Dolphins. Um, this Dolphins team is bad. They're just bad. Their only wins are against bad teams, um, and and they're just they're not a good team at any at any really level of the game. I don't know what happened. They used to be really good. Um, they're not anymore.
2: I mean, it's a, so it's not just the offensive line that is an issue. Obviously, the defense has not played as well uh, when they cut bait on a lot of guys at the end of last season. But not, not to mention, of course, we talked in the uh, in the preseason previews about the Dolphins that they had a ton of turnover luck last year, and that was just not sustainable. That a bunch of that stuff that they were able to do last year was based on the fact that they had uh, more turnovers than than almost anybody in the NFL last year, and they were able to create turnovers or not turnovers they were able to create uh points off of short fields just a ton and if we talk about regression to the means uh, that along with you lost a ton of experienced guys and and you kind of went with a little bit of a youth movement kyle van Noy was really good for them last year and and they just cut bait on him uh, for almost no reason like uh, nobody even really knew why they did it uh you you could tell that they are missing some of those guys on defense. And when the offense isn't really helping because the offensive line is so dreadful, uh, it just, I mean, it all starts to spiral. And that is certainly what's happened here. So I'm i am with you. We're, uh, we're both all in on the Ravens. Next game on the board here, we have got a 1 p.m. Eastern time game. Saints at the Titans heading to Nashville. And the Titans look like a damn Super Bowl contender right now. Uh, total is 44 and a half. The Titans are favored by uh, three points. They last played in 2019, Of course, Drew Brees was still with the Saints at that point. Uh, The Saints won 38-28, and they covered, of course. Titans' defensive line has been spectacular. Uh, Trevor Simeon could get nothing going against the Falcons until late in the game. The Falcons were up 24-6 on them and with like 10 minutes left in the game. And the Saints came back and took the lead with a little over a minute left. Now, they gave up the game-winning field goal at the end, but... Three points just doesn't feel like enough. This Titans team against what is left of this Saints offense. You know, Michael Thomas out for the year. Now they're saying, uh, I, I just I, I don't trust the Saints enough here, so I'm I'm gonna roll Titans again. I'm I'm not getting in front of that steamroller.
1: Yeah, I I kind of hate to keep riding this team because I think at some point in time it's gonna fall off. But I, the Saints team is uh is difficult to figure out and the. Titans have been beaten really, really good teams. So if they can beat the good teams, they got to be able to beat the bad teams, right?
2: Yeah, and, and are the Saints a bad team? I mean, do we do we consider them that without uh, James well, Winston? Well,
1: I mean well, I mean without James Winston, they're not great, so
2: Yeah. You lose at home to the Falcons. You uh you ain't a real good football team. I will say that. Of course, that is coming off of a win with Trevor Simeon playing most of the game, uh, a win over the Bucks. So, you know I now, of course, part of that was due to turnovers, which is totally not sustainable. But if you start getting uh, Ryan Tannehill to throw you the football, uh, who knows what can happen in this game. But, yeah, um, I will I will steal it from you. And, you know, the whole rider till she bucks you thing, uh, the Titans have been covering at a just crazy rate. And, and I think I'm going to ride with them here. Uh, and you are as well, right?
1: Yeah.
2: All right. Next game up, another 1 p.m. Eastern time game. We have got... The Falcons, who just got a win over New Orleans, heading to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Cowboys are a ten-point favorite, total of fifty-three. Cowboys are seven and one against the spread in their last eight games. Of course, they lost last week and looked just hapless against the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Falcons four and one against the spread in their last five games against the Cowboys, and and again, we just talked about the Falcons in uh, against the Saints. And went up twenty-four to six, and gave up a ton of points in the fourth quarter. There, gave up twenty-two points in the fourth quarter. Uh, if the Falcons or if the Saints had been able to get either of the two-point conversions, uh, they may not win that ball game. And I, I have to think that this is a bounce-back spot for the Cowboys because I don't think the Falcons' defense is very good. So I, I'm going to trust the Cowboys to get up off the mat and make something happen this week, especially at home. Uh, because they were absolutely embarrassed last week and if you look at just overall like DVOA numbers all that good stuff uh, there is absolutely no reason why the Cowboys shouldn't handle this very easily um that Atlanta Atlanta's number 31 in total DVOA Dallas is number 5 so I'm I'm going to trust Dallas to get this thing done uh, against a very weak Falcons defense give me the Cowboys minus 10 man
1: we're seeing everything alike right now um I, I 100% think the teams that fell on the face that I think are really good from last week are 100% going to bounce back this week. And I think they're going to do it with some authority. I, I think the Cowboys are going to score a lot. Like, I, I would definitely take the under on the amount of punts, no matter what that number is.
2: Yeah, I could I could totally see that. Totally see that. Uh, so we're both rolling Cowboys minus 10. We have seen all three games the same. Big uh, number, man. I
1: don't like playing it, but...
2: Hey, I got to. Yeah, you got to at this point because I, I, just I can't I can't trust the Falcons in this spot against that offense. Uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time game. We have got the Cleveland Browns headed to the New England Patriots. Patriots are a one-point favorite. Total of 45. Browns five and one against the spread in their last six games on the road. The Patriots are three and zero straight up and against the spread in the last three games overall. Uh, it looks like they've kind of turned a corner, but they are also uh, not beating great teams. Right, like they. they the Browns, I think, may be the best of the bunch that they've played uh, in their last three games, uh, and that includes the Chargers. Um, Browns, two and three against the spread and straight up in their last five games. We don't know what Nick Chubb's status is going to be for Sunday. I so, so my number on this initially was that the Browns should be favored in this spot, and they're actually an underdog. So you would think I would roll with the Browns, but when I look at the way that the Patriots have been playing, I think the way that Baker plays... Plays right into Bill Belichick's hands. I trust the Patriots to get this done. I, I think the Patriots are going to win this game uh, by more than just one point. So, so give me the Pats minus one here.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't want to pick this game at all. And, and it's not just that I like both of these teams, and so I don't want to, you know, have to choose. I, I don't think there's an edge here.
2: No, I, just I don't I think it exists. It's. Um, no, I, I'm I'm with you 100 percent here,
1: 100. percent if you maybe choose right now i think the better team is the is the uh, is the browns I, I the patriots are at home if this was in cleveland i'd 100% take the browns um as long as you know the number doesn't get too crazy but i just i just think that the browns are the better football team uh,
2: if if this will help you out um the patriots are 1 and 4 straight up at home this season they the patriots are 4 and 0 on the road yeah so, huh? so that plays into your browns pick for sure. Uh, four Oh five PM Eastern time. We have got the Minnesota Vikings headed to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Chargers are a two and a half point favorite total of 52 here. Vikings four and one against the spread their last five against the Chargers, uh, Chargers, however, nine and three against the spread overall in their last 12 games. Uh, they found a way to get it done at Philadelphia last week. Of course, that was one of your wins in your super contest picks. Um, I, I look at these two teams, and I... Minnesota is better than their 3-5 and five record. Like, they just are. Uh, Minnesota total DVOA is number 11, and the Chargers is number 16. Um, the offenses and defense is very similar. Uh, Minnesota's offense is better than the Chargers' defense. I'm going to roll with that. I, Minnesota special teams, by the way, sizable advantage as far as special teams DVOA. I'm going to take... The Vikings to get the win on the road. I'm going to take them outright. Uh, but it, you know, give me give me the two and a half here uh, because I like Minnesota. Like I, they're not a great team. They find ways to lose ball games that are really really close. Uh, but in a close game here, I, I tend to like them more than I like the Chargers. I I can't I can't
1: bet on the Vikings. I just can't. I got to take the Chargers. This team gives away games. Just yeah. like it's just yeah. going out of business.
2: And and if you've got
1: they a don't know uh, how to, <laughs> you got a
2: less than the field goal spread, uh, you should be able to win it at home, right? They don't know how to
1: close.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I looked at this so, game. This was very similar to uh, to the Patriots and the Browns for me, uh, where there's not like a huge edge because I think Minnesota is the better team. However, I've seen them give away too many ball games. But I'm I'm going to ride the Vikings again this week. Now, last week I had a, a bigger head start with five and a half. But uh, yeah, two and a half is is not a ton. I could I could totally understand you taking the Chargers. So yeah, I could, at least I could we're not again.
1: picking the same games over yeah. and over again, because this, this is I can't I can't do it.
2: No, it totally makes sense. Uh, next game up, we got a 4:25 p.m. Eastern Time game between the Seahawks and the Packers, and we this is a battle of possibly backup quarterbacks. Uh, the earliest that Aaron Rodgers can rejoin his team would be Saturday and that is, of course, with negative tests and no symptoms and blah, 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 right? Uh, He has not practiced all week with the team, so Jordan Love has gotten all of the first-team reps. Uh, My guess is that the Packers are going to roll with Jordan Love, and in that situation, but, but by the way, both teams, because the Packers actually covered last week when that line got crazy when Rodgers went out, uh... The Packers and the Seahawks combined nine and one against the spread in the last ten ballgames. That's five for each team. So the Seahawks have been covering even with Geno Smith at quarterback, but I think that's because the Lions have been inflated. I still think it's inflated here. Like it's three and a half. Uh the Packers are, are three and a half point favorites, total of forty nine and a half. Uh I think my favorite play might be the under forty nine and a half, but because we're picking sides here, I'm gonna take the Seahawks to keep this thing close because I think they could win at Lambeau with as bad as as Jordan Love looked last week.
1: So, I completely agree with that. I like the Seahawks as well. I think there's a chance that uh, uh, Wilson comes back. Are they saying he might play this week? I thought I was seeing that. He, I know he's getting closer to coming back. So, I, maybe he's not for this week, but I, I know this. It's getting closer. So,
2: so, maybe, maybe we've got a coin flip between whether it's Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, or maybe both of them play. In which case I might still take the Seahawks. So
1: well, I'll tell you this. If it's Love right now, I think I would take the Seahawks no matter who who they got starting their quarterback.
2: Yeah, and that's that's the way I'm looking at this. I'm looking at I would I would take Geno Smith to cover three and a half against Jordan Love uh any day of the week. Any day of the week. We got two more that we're gonna hit before we do our super contest picks, so let's dive into them. Sunday night football, we have got the Kansas City Chiefs headed to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are a two and a half point dog at home. 51 and a half is the total. Chiefs eight and two straight up in their last ten against the Raiders. However, they are zero oh and two against the spread last season uh, against the Raiders. Kansas City two and eight against the spread their last ten uh, ball games. Uh, my my question here has to do with the Raiders, and it's how much is all of this off field distraction stuff. Going to affect them this week because they had even more of it come out with uh with what's the kid's name Arnett the cornerback that they they waived him of course there's still all the rug stuff going on they didn't look great against the Giants um, and I think the Chiefs finally got some breaks to go their way obviously with backup quarterbacks and all all kinds of stuff I don't think the Chiefs are great but they're only a two and a half point favorite here I think they can win this game by three I expect them to so I'm I'm gonna take the Chiefs at minus two and a half here.
1: Uh, I I'm not. I'm going to keep betting against them because it's been a hell of a bet for the year, and um, <laughs> I think they've only covered twice, and uh, and so I'm going to keep I'm going to keep betting against them. Um, it does make the sense. The Raiders looked terrible last week. But a lot of people looked bad last week. You know who also looked terrible last week? The Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yes, they scored 13 points against a team that could not get off the field. They had the ball for like 40 minutes in this game and they put up 13 points.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it it may not be a smart bet on my part, but part of my thinking is as bad as that offense looked, they are going to rebound a bit. It kind of kind of the same thought process that I had with the Cowboys, right? Um, yeah, you look at the Raiders like they're they're good, but they ain't great on defense, right? Uh it, well, I take that back. So their DVOA actually improved last week. They are up to number 14 in total DVOA on defense. So I don't know. Um now I'm curious. I know I know Kansas City has a massive advantage on special teams DVOA. Uh they're number 1 in that metric and Las Vegas is number 26. Uh but as far as like total DVOA, you've got the number 17 Chiefs against the number 21 Raiders. Uh I mean it's coin flip. This coin flip game. We we shall see. So you're riding the Raiders, and I am riding the Chiefs. We've got one more, and it is the Monday night game. So let's dive into that one. Uh, Monday night, the Rams headed to the 49ers, and the Niners are a four-point underdog at home. The 49ers, however, are four and one straight up in their last five against the Rams. Um, I think the Rams were embarrassed last week by the Titans. and And I think that the 49ers are not a very good football team. I want them to be better, uh, but it does not appear that they are going to come out of whatever this is that they are. Uh, You look at overall metrics, yeah, the 49ers are number nine in total DVOA, and that's that's pretty damn good. Uh, Their offense is actually number six in DVOA, but you're going against the Rams defense, which is number four, and then you've got the Rams offense, which is number two in DVOA against San Francisco, number 17 in defensive DVOA. I thought that the defense was going to be able to uh, snap out of what they were last year when they had all the injuries, et cetera. They still got some injuries this season, but they have not been good on defense. They just haven't. And and while normally 49ers at home, I would think would be a really good bet in this spot, especially over a field goal, man, I think the Rams are going to put it on them this week. Like, I think the Rams are going to be fantastic. So I'm, I'm taking Los Angeles minus four uh, with Matt Stafford and, and that bunch bouncing back.
1: Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. I have had I've had long discussions with people that I'm close to, and I value their opinion about Cal Shanahan might not be in the guy. And you know how hard, you know how hard that is to hurt, right? Oh yeah, I um, mean you've been all in on him. So here's here's my here's my thought process. I'm here's where I'm at. Okay, I, I'm no longer. Standing on the corner Screaming at them as they tell me How terrible he is Okay, but my I, I'm not out on him And I'm not bashing him by any means But I'm not stopping others from doing it Alright I'm, I'm not partaking But I'm not defending right now um, there's, a, there's a world Where this 49ers thing just doesn't work And I can't explain it And I know that they've never had a fully healthy Roster and all this stuff Listen, they gave up three first-round picks for a guy who none of these rookie quarterbacks, to be honest, are playing very good right now. Okay, Agreed. And there's a world where none of them are very good in the NFL. That happens all the time. All right, That's not a surprise to anybody. But nobody else fit three first-round picks.
2: Yeah, you uh, you were not wrong. You are not wrong. This was supposed to be the guy that was going to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, and Garoppolo hadn't been that bad this year so why not take another guy that might be able to help you somewhere else on the field um rather than waste three first round picks like i i don't understand it but alas uh, i mean it looks like uh looks like the rams are the better uh better bet this week uh my line on it was actually rams minus 7 which is why i'm rolling that way so i'm a uh, i don't know we'll see we'll see maybe they can get out of this funk but they have not been very good this year you ready to uh, jump into Super Contest? Yeah, we got to roll, too. All right, let's roll through them. Super Contest for Week 10. Okay. And we have got, uh, last week, I went 5-0 and against the spread. I am 27-18 and on the season. Chris went 2-3. and three. He is 21-22-2 on the season. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start us off. I'm going to take the Lions plus 9 at the Steelers. Uh, every Steelers game is close. It does not matter who they play. Typically, they win their games at home, but they are not going to win this by more than a touchdown. I do not believe uh, because I think the Lions have a lot of fight in them. I expect the Lions to continue fighting here. So give me give me the Lions plus nine at Pittsburgh.
1: We're using Bet US.
2: Uh, yes, Bet US lines.
1: It's now nine and a half. So you're good. Right. Take yourself a half point. I'll take the same thing. And my logic is a little different than your logic. My logic is the Steelers are going to win this game but the Steelers are going to look like shit doing it because the Steelers are a really bad football team This is the exact same team as last year nothing has changed since last year their record is going to make them look like they're really good they're probably going to get a playoff spot because there are not seven teams in the AFC that deserve to make the playoffs and they're going to get their ass kicked when they first get in because they're not a good football team
2: Yeah, yeah I tend to agree I tend to agree uh, my next one on the board, the Eagles. I'm taking the Eagles plus three at the Broncos. I, I think this Eagles team, I, I've talked badly about them pretty much all season. Devontae Smith has really shown up at wide receiver for them. They have threats on offense. And Jalen Hurts, you know, it's basically what he runs at Alabama or what he ran at Alabama and at Oklahoma. He doesn't have to throw the ball down the field. He just gets the ball to the playmakers and lets them go make moves in space. And I don't think the Eagles are that bad. I don't think that the Broncos are nearly as good as what they looked last week. So this is them regressing back to the means. I'm going to take the Eagles plus three uh, at Denver.
1: All right. I will go to the Seahawks and the Packers. I'll take the three and a half against the Packers. Uh, Once again, I kind of don't even care if Rodgers plays anymore. I think there's a world where that that team's got a a lot of bigger issues. Yeah,
2: I could, uh, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, game three for me. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Bucks on the road minus ten against the Washington Football Team. Uh, Tampa, Washington's defense. I kept expecting all season for them to show up and and do something different, and they haven't. This is not a very good defense. Um, and I think that Tom Brady and that bunch are going to eat them alive. Washington's defense is number thirty in total DVOA. I'm expecting a ton of points from Brady. Uh, he doesn't seem to ever cover in prime time anymore. It's always a close game with him. But we got him at a, a you know one p.m. Eastern Time game on the road. Yeah, give me give me Tommy here. So I'll, I'll take the Bucks minus ten. Yeah, that's a
1: pretty good pick. It's pretty good pick. I'm going to take the Panthers plus ten against the Cardinals. I I know that the Panthers have not looked very good. And I know the Cardinals have been killing everybody. Ten points is a lot of points. And I just I just think at some point in time, I don't think the Cardinals are that great of a football team. Uh, I might be wrong. At the end of the year, they might be hoisting Lombardi and I'm looking like an idiot. I just don't think they are.
2: So. I, can, uh, I can understand it. Uh, pick four for me. Vikings plus two and a half at the Chargers. I already talked about it. Uh, I think that the Vikings overall are the better football team uh, for whatever reason, the Chargers seem to play better on the road than they do at home, and and I think the same thing will hold true here. The Vikings have gotten close, close, close. They're 3-5 on the season. I expect them to be able to get the W in this spot. So so give me the Vikings plus 2.5. I'm going to
1: take the Titans at home against the Saints, minus the 3. I just think it's too many points. Uh, it's, it's not enough points. Uh, this Saints team is a is a weird team, a hard team to figure out. Titans' team's fighting hard. They're playing hard. Um, I'll take the
2: Titans. And that that Titans' defensive line uh, against this Saints' offensive line, uh, yeah, that, that looks like a sizable mismatch there, so I can, I can roll with it. Game number five for me, I'm going to take the Jaguars. Jaguars plus 10.5 at the Colts. Uh, do I think that the Jags are a good football team? No. Do I think that the Colts are a good football team? Not really. They've played really well lately, but I think that the Jags are a little bit better. They are improving. I don't think they're going to get smoked in this game. I expect this divisional matchup to be relatively close, so give me the Jags plus 10.5 uh, at Indianapolis.
1: There you go. And I will take real last one. I'll take the Cowboys minus the 10 against the Falcons. I think one of these teams is due for a big, 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 big bounce back, and I think the other team is not good they just gotta win I don't expect them to get many wins I think they'll get blown out
2: I can get down with it all right uh recap right quick Lions plus nine and a half Eagles plus three bucks minus ten Vikings plus two and a half Jacks plus ten and a half for me and uh and Chris has got the Lions plus nine and a half Seahawks plus three and a half Panthers plus ten Titans minus three and Cowboys minus 10. Chris is there anything else that you would like to hit before I let you go and wrap this thing up
1: no, sir. I'm good, brother. Thank you. Wonderful. Take care.
2: We'll talk to you again for the Friday show. See
1: you,
2: back. All right. Perfect. Let's go on and knock this thing out. Head over to BetUS. They bring you the show each and every time out. BetUS.com use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to get you 125% sign up bonus. And you can of course click the link that's in the description and it will put the promo code in there for you. It's up to $2,500 and it is sportsbook exclusive. Along with that, Check out the Bet US College Football Show. Check out the Sportsbook Review College Football Show. Chris hosts that one. I host the Bet US one. The links are in the description for those. Uh, and with that said, I think we are going to go ahead and get out. Oh, go to winningcureseverything.com. All of our picks and everything else will be over there. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week.